give the Lord a great shout of praise and sing us. He's worthy of our praise, amen. Let's just the name of Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Front time family, before you take your seats, I just want to welcome you. I want to say good morning to everyone that is in the house and everyone watching online. It's a privilege for me to be with you here this morning and to bring you the Word of God. As we've come out of a beautiful time of worship, let's just commit this time and this Word to the Lord in prayer. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to you today in the magnificent name of Jesus. We pray today that wherever we are, emotionally, physically and spiritually, that you would meet us at our very place of need and minister to us with such nearness and such tenderness that we would experience your life-changing truth and power today. Lord, as we come towards the end of this somewhat challenging year, we submit our ways and our thoughts to you today, afresh to you today, and even amidst the challenges that 2020 has brought, let us continue to be Christians that reflect your glory in all that we do and advance your kingdom mission in this world. Let your peace and comfort go before us in this time, Lord. And as much of the world ends this year in fear and hopelessness because of this pandemic, we thank you that because of what this Christmas season signifies, we will end 2020 victorious and full of hope for 2021. We will not allow fear and hopelessness to attach itself to us because we serve a Redeemer that gave his life for the exact opposite of those emotions. And so we celebrate you today, Lord Jesus, and we ask that you would come and have your way among us. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen and Amen. You're welcome to take your seats. Thank you to our worship team this morning. Can we give them a round of applause? Well, church, it's good to be with you all today. And this morning we went into part two of our sermon series called Reasons for the Season. This is our, our Christmas season or Christmas series where we are focusing on the importance of the birth of Jesus and what the Christmas season really and actually signifies. Last week we started by looking at 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 and we identified some of the key words in the beginning of the verse which says, and without controversy, great is the mystery of Godliness. We went into that last week and we saw without a shadow of a doubt, great is the mystery of Godliness. And what this one sentence is basically starting off by saying, church, is that Christianity is a mystery. A mystery that could not have been found out by reason or intellectual perception and which cannot be comprehended because or by reason because it is above reason. It's a mystery not of philosophy or human speculation but a mystery of Godliness designed to promote Godliness. And because of that it exceeds all the mysteries of human thinking. But what is the mystery of Godliness? How do we sum it up into to one word? What is the mystery of Godliness? Church, it is Christ. Christ came to reveal the mysteries of Godliness. He was manifest in the flesh to reveal the nature of God, 
the kingdom of God and his message of salvation. He came to make clear the mysteries that would have kept us from him for eternity. He came to clearly divide the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light in our world. He was manifest, manifest in the flesh unto death because he knew it was the only way to save wretched sinners like you and me. That's how much he loves us. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. Right? So tell me, church, how many of you, when you go to the shops and even at work, how many of you have been wishing people a Merry Christmas? Have you been proclaiming the name of Jesus over this season? Because do you know what you say to people when you wish them a Merry Christmas? The word Merry, for instance, means to be happy. It means to be buoyant. You don't hear that word very often, do you? But we need more buoyant people in our culture. Because do you know what buoyant means? It means no matter how rough the sea gets, it stays on top. Right? It's the buoy floating in the storm. Mary also means to be lifted up and joyful and exuberant. It means to be glad about something. The word Christmas is broken into two parts. It's the word Christ and the word Mass. Christ stands for the Anointed One or the Messiah and Mass is the, the gathering or the union of people to worship. And when you think about that, why wouldn't you want to celebrate that? The only reason someone wouldn't want to say Merry Christmas is because of a spiritual issue. This is why there is a kingdom of this world that will not say Merry Christmas. Because Christmas and its greeting, when we say Merry Christmas, is the freedom announcement from sin and the world can't stand it. They would rather say Happy Holidays or Seasons Greetings. But whether other people like it or not, we are going to say it. We are going to proclaim with joyfulness and exuberance and with buoyancy that we celebrate Christ over the season. Can I get an amen to that? Well done there. I'll just I'll hit you. <laughs> so to pick up from where we left off last week, let's just have another look at our, our key verse for this Christmas. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And it says. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. And to follow on, church, are six things concerning Christ, which sum up the whole economy of Christ upon the earth. And they are, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received hours to make. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 5 says, but when the fullness of time had come, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. When the fullness of time had come, I love this. Why was Jesus born 2000? And 20 years ago, just because when the fullness of time had come, at just the right moment, God sent forth His Son. By the way, church, what's the day today? 20th. December 20th, 2020. There's quite a few 20s going on there, right? But you know how we know the date is the date? You know how we know this? Because of Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. 
The reason why the date is the date is because Jesus was born. He was born 2020 years ago. And whether it's on the 25th of December or not, that's irrelevant. He was born 2020 years ago. And that church is why every nation on this planet, if they're going to do any legal transaction, no matter what the calendar keeping is, they've got to go Jesus on us to make it legal. That's true. That's why we have a, a BC and an AD. Because Jesus reset the clock. BC stands for before Christ, right? But because the world can't stand mentioning the name Christ anymore, they've changed it from BC to BCE, which means before common era. In the year approximately 2007, people started changing the word before Christ to before common era in books and museums and other historical documents when they are making reference to history. That's what people will try and do to try and get rid of Jesus from our society. Add an E on the end of BC. But you still have this AD thing, right? And you know what AD stands for church? A lot of people will say after death. But that's not what AD means. But it's convenient for those who don't want to believe because after death leaves Jesus in the grave. AD are the words Anno Domini, which means the year of our Lord. The year of our Lord. And whatever your belief is, whether you love Jesus or you hate him, you've got a sign on the dotted line with the current day that was reset, right, in the year of our Lord. Whether you like it or not. And, and you know the enemy will try to distort this truth in, in any way possible. But like it or not, we are one day further away from Jesus' birthday and one day closer to his return. Amen. The third thing concerning Christ, which makes up the mystery of godliness, church, is that he was seen of, of angels, which means he was seen by angels. And I want to pause right here for a moment because I want you to consider something. Jesus was born into his, his own creation. Think about this. Let's just make sure that we understand who Jesus is when we make the statement. The statement that says, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness that God was seen by angels. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 to 16, it says he, referring to Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. You mean to say Jesus of the Bible, he's the creator? Yes. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, Jesus did that. Did you know that's how big your Jesus is? Thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Do you know what that means, church? That means that he's over all angelic powers, heavenly and demonic, and, and he's the ultimate saint. That's our Jesus. And I want you to get something very important today about God incarnate coming to accomplish his work on the earth. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 7 to 9, it says, But he made himself 
Jesus made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Church, have you heard of the word kenosis? Kenosis. That when God was born into this world, the Bible says that Jesus, after the Christmas story, grew in the grace and knowledge of God, and he had favor with both God and men. And Jesus Christ, when he enters into his earthly ministry, he performs kenosis. Kenosis is the act of emptying yourself. Let me give you an illustration. Maybe I can use this, this music stand here. Maybe let me use one of these, these tools. Jesus' church in his humanity, he takes his power. He takes his power and he sets it right over here. Watch what I do. He takes his power to whatever situation he's facing and he sets it right over here. And then he lets the Roman soldiers beat him in the face and rip open his back. Right? They beat him like no one has ever been beaten before. Can you imagine that he took this for you and for me? What blows my mind is that at any moment he could have gone like this and said, that's enough. Or when one of the Roman soldiers said, you know, beat him a little too hard, he could have said to him, you know what, that was a bit much. And he could have picked it up and he could have just fried one of the soldiers in front of him. When what people were saying things to him and, and what they were doing to him, he decided at his own will. He willfully determined and decided for you and for me, I'm not going to know what they're going to do next. Why? Because someday Ryan is not going to know what they're going to do or say to him next. Or to Eric. Or to Rachel. Or to, to Steve. Or to Esther. So I'm going to take it just like Ryan and all these people are going to have to take it someday. But at any moment, church, he could have come here and picked it up, just like he did with many of his miracles and when he could perceive what the Pharisees were saying and what they were thinking. But for you and for me, church, he decided to put it aside and endure even unto death. Have you got a God like that? I do this Christmas. You see, the Bible tells us here that he was seen by angels. You know what this is saying, church? It means the first time that the angels saw him was when he was manifested in the flesh. It's the first time that angels saw him in this way. And there's a little bit of a difference in opinion when it comes to biblical scholars about this, but as much as we can glean from Scripture, the Bible says that in the presence of God, the angels cover their faces. In Isaiah chapter 6, it says that the angels have six wings, and with two of their wings, they cover their faces. With two of their wings, they cover their feet and their bodies, and with the other two, they fly. Such is the, the splendor and magnificence of the glory of God in heaven. And so church, what is implied here is that the angels attended the birth of baby Jesus. And for the first time, they got to see him without a filter. They got to see their creator. And through his life, scripture shows us that the angels worshipped and ministered to Jesus when he when they attended the incarnation, his temptation, his agony, his death, 
his resurrection and his ascension. That's incredible. They took every opportunity to be with him and to, to worship him and to minister to him. The fourth thing concerning Christ, which makes up the mystery of God in this church, our fourth point is that he was preached unto the Gentiles. The Bible prophesied that whoever Jesus would be, whatever he would do in life, the fact of the matter is, whether you're a skeptic or not, that he would be preached among the Gentiles. Do you know how I know that? Do you know what we are? We're Gentiles, right? 2020 years later, this Jesus has still been heralded in churches all across the world. This is how we know this. And just think about this for a moment, church. Jesus is a Jew. Jesus is the one born in Bethlehem 2020 years ago. There is this announcement in advance that this Jesus will be preached among the Gentile world. That the Gentiles, the non-Jews, would draw near to him. It's just a remarkable thing to think that this is what was foretold hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. He was preached unto the Gentiles. And church, when we look at this word preached, it's not the word evangel, like to preach the gospel. It's that word charisa, which means that he would be heralded, that he would be proclaimed, that there would be an official announcement made near and far about Jesus. By the way, that's the very principle of missionary work. That the missionary church is deployed to, to the world to help the person and to magnify the, the person of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 1 verse 22, the Bible tells us, So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which this was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Right? Everything that was foretold came to fulfillment. And I love this about our Bible. I love this about Jesus. Everything that was foretold and prophesied in the Old Testament, Jesus fulfilled. Right? And you know what? This is important, church. Because it's important for people to know that this is not some made-up story. This is not some one-time event. For those that may be listening for the first time about the real Jesus, the Christmas story is not some fancy made-up fairy tale. Not at all. The coming of Jesus and the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem was according to the prophets, the ancient prophets. And so Jesus comes in by being born into that existing message that has always been. That's amazing. And that's no coincidence. The Bible also tells us in Matthew chapter 2 verses 5 to 6, it says, So they said to him, an announcement to Herod, who was jealous that a king was born, they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, that's where he's going to be born. For thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. You see, this is the announcement of Jesus. And church, what we need to realize is that the Christmas message of Jesus Christ is the most preached message across the world today because it is based upon God's will. It is based upon God's prophetic promises and it's 
continuing now in our modern age, 2,020 years later. Think about the significance of that. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, the Bible says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. You see, church, if you read your Bible carefully, there were two Bethlehems in the Judean region. But this one singled out in this prophecy would be the one that out of that town would become and be born the eternal God. How specific is our Bible, right? It's incredible. The Bible also heralds the coming of Jesus in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, where it says, and this is a beautiful Christmas verse, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And you see, church, what do you think about this? Mary had a baby boy, but God gave the world his son. She was the vehicle by which he would be brought into the world, and listen to this, the son is the individual gift that God has given to each and every one of us. God gave us the salvation of our very own. That's why Jesus came. And this whole thing about Him being our Christmas gift, why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus have to be born? So that you and I would have salvation. That's the gift. And church, when you, this Christmas Eve or this Christmas morning, when you open gifts, this is only a couple of days from today, Every gift you receive or, or you give, do you know what it symbolizes? It's a symbol of what Christ has done. It's a symbol of what God has done and given us. Remember that this Christmas when you give or receive a gift. And you know what? Give or receive with joy. Give or receive with, with exuberance. The Bible tells us in, in Luke chapter 2, speaking about great joy, it says, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's beautiful, right? Christ the Savior, this is Jesus our Lord. And choose the fact that God promised us a message of our own. A Christmas of our own, that we can receive the gift of God, which is eternal life. The fact that salvation is that gift, and it's a personal message to each and every one of us today, that is absolutely overwhelming. And as the, the Christmas season has been celebrated all around the world today by hundreds of millions and perhaps even millions of people, you've got to stop and wonder something. How many of those people understand the message and that that it's a personal one. Is it personal to you? Luke chapter 2 verses 15 to 18 says, Church, So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven. 
that the shepherd said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all of those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. And what I want you to see from this passage of scripture, church, is that the shepherds took the message personally. Did you know that shepherds aren't highly respected people in the Middle East? They weren't back then and, and they aren't now. Shepherds are rejected. They are disdained. Shepherds are considered lowlifes. People don't want to hear from shepherds. Shepherds smell, they're dirty, and, and they are uneducated. And church, isn't it awesome to think that God revealed himself to shepherds first? What does that tell you about the heart of God? He revealed himself to the shepherds first, and they were the ones that became the first evangelists. And they ran, they ran back to the city of Bethlehem, and they made this announcement. The message became personal to them. And church, as I start to close this morning, I want to close by asking everyone in the house this morning and everyone listening online, do you believe this gift of Christmas, the reason that Jesus was manifest in the flesh, this gift of salvation, do you believe it is for you personally? Or do you believe it is more of a, of a general sense? And the reason I'm asking you this morning is because if you don't believe that Jesus died just for you, you might never really make a personal commitment to, to give your heart to Him and to follow hard after Him and give your, your life to Him. Whether you're a new Christian or you're a, an old Christian, how are you going to commit to someone if you don't feel that they've really committed to you personally? And I want to say to you this morning, everything about Christ this Christmas is to make manifest and to make clear that you individually were worth dying for. You, yes you. He died for you, he died for me. And if you can grab a hold of that truth this Christmas season, you won't ever question your decision to follow him. As hard as this life gets. And church, as you give and receive gifts this Christmas season, remember that it symbolizes the eternal gift that the creator of this universe has given to you. And as I pleaded with you last week, don't allow the simple gospel to become shrouded as the world draws you to false sense of comfort and pleasure in worship. What he came to manifest, let it be manifest in you. And you know, church, if this truth does not become personal to you yet, if you've never believed that this message of salvation is for you personally, then I'm going to invite those in the house and, and those watching online to stand and pray with me as you make a personal commitment to Jesus Christ this morning. If that's you in the house, you can stand with me and we're going to pray. Perhaps if you're at home, you're watching online, you're standing there, you're sitting with your families. If you're sitting there on your own, you can stand right now. Come and give your heart to the Lord. Because this is the greatest Christmas gift you'll ever receive, and it's the only gift 
that will last forever. I'm going to give you a few moments and we're going to pray together. Is anyone in the house? Can we just stand together, church? Let's stand together as we close in prayer. I'm not going to say the sinner's prayer. Perhaps there's someone watching online that needs to, to pray this prayer after me. You're welcome to repeat. Dear Father in heaven, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I acknowledge to you that I am a sinner. And I'm sorry for my sins and the life that I have lived. I need your forgiveness. I believe that your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, shed his precious blood on the cross of Calvary and died for my sins. And I am now willing to turn from my sin. The Bible says that if we confess Jesus as Lord and believe in our hearts, that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. So right now, I confess Jesus as my Lord. With my whole heart, I believe that God raised him from the dead. This very moment, I accept Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior. And according to his word, right now, and from today, I declare that my life belongs to you. I am now your son or your daughter. And I am privileged to call you father. I open my heart to receive your love and all that you have for me. I receive the Holy Spirit of God to lead me, to guide me, and to teach me days of my life. Everyone said, Amen, Amen. Just give me the Lord a hand Who's glad to be part of this Christmas season, this Christmas story? Are you privileged to be a part of what Jesus has done in your life? Just give a little more shout of praise this morning. Church, we're going to say goodbye to our online family now. We're just going to call up Michelle. We're going to be praying for her because she's going to be moving on to, on to a different area. We just want to pray over her and send her off with a blessing. But for those watching online, we want to say goodbye. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to connecting again with you next Sunday. We love you very much. Have a blessed Sunday.